again. Let's try that again. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. You know, it's, let's, we can loosen up a little bit. It's okay. You know, I, I, it's, we're family, right? Yeah. If, if uh, I, one thing I love about, about our girls is um, in the you know, morning time, boy, they just, they will come in and latch on to you. Boom. And it's great. It's great getting hugs and loves and snuggles in the morning. And, um, you know, let's all come in and let's be happy together and love each other. All right? All right. Uh, if you would, find in your uh, Bibles Joshua chapter number 9, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Hello to everybody out there uh, on the Internet. Um, I think I saw earlier we've got the Negrones on there, uh, the Ingdals, um, Welton Ann, uh, Paula, of course, Tim and Penny, we've seen you. What a wonderful job. Thank you guys um, for that reading and for the pictures. Um, who am I missing there? Karina. Uh, Karina, good. I didn't see Karina on there earlier, but I'm glad you, you're there. Um, miss, uh, miss seeing you guys in person, but so glad to know that you're only a, um, a, the, a little lens away. <laughs> and love you guys. All right, um, let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it is a holy word, that it is um, a living word, that even though it is a closed canon, it still speaks to us. It is accurate, it's historical, but it still just uh, has the ability to um, encourage us or to totally wreck us, whatever we need at the time. It has the ability to heal or to uh, bring us uh, correction. Lord, it has the ability to um, point us in the right direction uh, or to say, hey, you're doing a great job, keep going, or, or no, you need, to make a, you need to turn around. Lord, thank you that you have left us your word and your spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come this morning and speak to us. Use me. Use, use my voice. Use my, uh, my words uh, to, to speak your words out today. And Lord, I pray that as I do, that you, will, um, uh, that you will minister to hearts. Whatever it is that anyone has come in here needing this morning, I pray that something... You, you will say, will minister to them, will encourage them, or will turn them in the right way, or will um, bring them whatever it is that they came in needing this morning. Thank you for it, in Jesus' name, amen. So I've got, we've got a long um, uh, section this morning. What I try to do, just to give you a little bit of a, a inside of how I, what I do to prepare in, in messages, a lot of times I take a, a section, like a, a story. So th- I'm taking two chapters this morning because I believe it's a kind of one story that goes together. Uh, the, the fancy name for that is a pericope. <laughs> it's not just a theological term. It's a, it's a, it's a, liter- a literary term. But it, so it's like kind of one section, and it's a longer section this morning. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just try to present it to you and tell you the story, and then I'll, I'll pull some of it actually out of Scripture if you want to follow along, you're, you're more than welcome to. We're going to look at uh, Joshua 9 and 10. 
and uh, talking about the uh, city, the city of Gibeon or the Gibeonites uh, this morning. To to kind of catch up, though, uh, I'm sure most of you were here last week, but if you weren't, uh, we had talked about AI. Of course, uh, a couple weeks ago, we found out that Israel sinned, and then they got defeated at AI, and then they figured out what the sin was, and after they did that, they went and they totally demolished the city of AI. AI wasn't a big place, but it was it was decent size for the for the cities in the area, and they um, Israel went in after they got uh, beat the first time, went in and and totally put the city of Ai to the sword. And then we found that they went to uh, Gilgal and they set up, um, they, they kind of, in a way, reinitiated the covenant. They read from the, the covenant again. They, they read the, the blessings and the cursings of the, of the covenant that Moses set up. And we come to the point where we are now in Joshua 9. Now, if you were the towns that were surrounding the the area and you had just seen or heard what happened when Israel crossed the Jordan on dry land no less then they come to Jericho and the walls of Jericho without anybody you know scaling them without even a a, a rope put up on fall flat Jericho is totally destroyed the 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 city you know, that were, was right there, kind of the fortified city when, for people to come into. And if you have to get through Jericho, you know, you have to, to be able to get to us. Jericho and then AI um, gets captured. What do you do? Well, there's, there's kind of one of two things. You either band together and say, okay, we've got to fight this, this fight together because none of us can stand by ourselves, or you surrender. <laughs> well, so that's what you have happen is all these these towns start talking to each other and um, they say, hey, you know what, let's get together and fight this. But then you have the, the town of Gibeon and they come up with a different plan. They say, well, you know what, maybe, I'm, I'm projecting a little bit, I'm think, kind of getting, trying to get into their head, maybe they're thinking, if, maybe we'll make a deal with these people. So what they do is they contrive this plan, and they, they get some of their some representatives, and um, Gibeon is not very far. You will see later in the story, it's a, it's a, it can be walked in a day, okay? So we're not talking a, a long distance. So they, they get some representatives, and they put old clothes on them. They, they get their donkeys ready. They get um, some bread that it was stale. So uh, old bread, old. Um, they got some their wine skins. They got these old wine skins that um, had been ripped and mended and and looked brittle. They put old clothes on these. They like okay, let's let's dress these guys like beggars, and, and say like like they've they've been on a really really long journey. And then when they when they had the the whole look complete, they said okay, go to Israel and tell them that we have, we have heard about your God. We've heard about the God that took you out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and we heard of the, the incredible things that you did on the other side of the Jordan, where you, where you totally went through and, and you, you wiped out these other kings and these other towns, and we, we understand that your God is an amazing, huge God, and we want to make a treaty with you. Because we don't want, we, we've heard about your God and we don't want you to be mad at us, basically.
basically. So they come to, th- that's exactly what happens. They go off on this journey, and their, their clothes are tattered, their, their food's bad. They finally get to Israel, and they, they tell Israel, we have come on this long journey because we've heard about your God. Would you make a treaty with us? Make a covenant with us. And Israel looks at them and says, how do we know that you're not in the land? How do we know that you're not in this nearby area? Because if, you, if you've read through in Deuteronomy, it's uh, actually uh, Deuteronomy 20. What God tells the Israelites is when you go into the land, if you have a, a people that are near to you, in, re- really in the land that I'm giving to you, I want you to totally wipe them out. Now, if it is a people that is far away, you can make a treaty with them. You can, you can, um, they can become your servant, your vassal, but you can make a treaty with them and you don't have to wipe them out. Just know, But if they're in the land, if they are a, a close neighbor, then you have to uh, totally wipe out the town. So Israel has this in the back of their mind. Okay, follow God. If they're close to you, we're going to wipe them out. If they're far away, we can make a treaty. So the people come. And the Israel, of course, says, how do we know that you are not a close neighbor? And they say, well, look at us. Our, our clothes are tattered and torn. Our shoes are worn out. These were all brand new when we, when we left. Our bread is stale. It was still warm. It had just come out from the oven when, when they sent us out. Our, our wine uh, pouches, our, um, the wineskins, they were, they were good when we left, but now they're tattered and, and, and uh, sewn up. Can't you see in our person that we've come from a very long journey? And it says that they did not seek the voice of the Lord on the issue. So they check with Joshua. And Joshua says the same thing. How do we know you're not near? They give him the same story. And so they cut a covenant with these people. Now let me explain a covenant to you. You probably know. I know you all have been in church for a while. But if you, just to, to review, what, what they do is actually, they call it cutting a covenant. And it's because they actually cut animals in two. And they will, they will divide them out, put Put you know, especially if it's a larger animal, they'll put some of the animal on this side, some of the animal on this side, and the people who are who are um, making the covenant together will pass through the animals that are, have been cut and separated. And the idea is, we are going to make this promise to each other. In this case, um, Israel has uh, said, "We are not going to come and destroy you." And the uh, and basically making a peace. And they pass through the animals, right? And in the the uh, and now the um uh, idea is if any either party breaks this covenant, you will be like these animals. You will be cut in two. You will be you will die. That's the it's not um it's not just a, a little promise, you know, it, oh yeah, we'll, we'll we'll do something else later. No, no. It is they are taking uh, blessings of the covenant versus the cursing. If we break this, we are planning on dying just like these animals. 
So these folks hang out a few days, and then it just it comes to light. It's amazing how that happens. It comes to light that they're actually neighbors. So the entire group of Israel goes, to the, goes over to the town of Gibeon. It says, what have you done? And Israel is getting angry at this point at, the, at their leaders and Joshua a little bit. It says the leaders because Joshua kind of came in a little bit after the fact. But they're getting angry. They say, what, what have you done to us? We're supposed to go in and we're supposed to wipe out anybody who's close. And all of a sudden, these people lie to you. You didn't seek the Lord on it. And all of a sudden, we've made a covenant with them that we're not going to destroy their town. And the people come to Joshua and, and, and say, okay, Joshua says, look, what have you done? And said, look, we will, you do whatever you want to us. Whatever looks good in your eyes, do to us. We will be your servants. We will be your slaves. And Joshua says, okay, you, may, you realize that this is at the end of chapter 9. Verse 25, behold, uh, we are in your hands, do as it seems good, and write in your sight to do to us. Thus he did to them and delivered them from the hands of the sons of Israel, and they did not kill them. But Joshua made them that day hewers of wood and drawers of water for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord to this day in the place which, uh, which he would choose. So he made them, he, this whole town, he made them slaves. So you're going to be slaves to us. We'll pick up in, in chapter 10. It says, Now it came about when Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had captured Ai and utterly destroyed it, just as he had done to Jericho and its king, so he had done to Ai and its king, and that the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and, with, and were within their land. That, so this is he, the, the king of, um, of uh, Jerusalem. He feared greatly because of Gibeon. Because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities. Because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were mighty. Therefore, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent word to Hoham, king of Hebron, and to Piram, king of uh, Jamuth, and to Jephia, king of Lachish, and to Deborah, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me. Let us attack Gibeon. Interesting. Not let us attack Israel. Let's go, let's, go, let's go after Gibeon. Let us attack Gibeon, where it's made peace with Joshua and with the sons of Israel. So the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon, gathered together and went up, and with all their armies encamped by Gideon and fought against it. And the men of Gibeon sent word to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal. So notice, what Israel had done is they had, they had, the whole group had gone over to Gibeon, right? And they had gone back to Gilgal where they were, all right? So it's, it's, it's a walkable distance. And so they came back up to, to Gibeon, to, to Joshua, to Israel, and said, don't abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites that live in the hill country have assembled against us. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with them, and all the valiant warriors. The Lord said, see, now you hear the, have the Lord speaking. The Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not one of them shall stand before you. 
So Joshua came upon them suddenly by marching all night from Gilgal. And the Lord confounded them before Israel, and he slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, and pursued them by the way of the ascent of Beth Horon, and struck them as far as Azekah and, and Makeda. And they fled before Israel while they were at the descent of Beth Horon. Listen, the Lord threw large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There are more who died from the hailstones than those who were, uh, and than those whom the sons of Israel killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the days when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, O sun, stand still at Gibeon, and O moon in the valley of Ihalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the nation had avenged themselves on their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jashar? And, and the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. There was no day like that before it or after it when the Lord had listened to the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. And Joshua and all Israel with him returned to the camp at Gilgal. And what you see is that is if you go on reading in that chapter, they, the Israel pursues their enemies. The five kings... Uh, escape and they, they the five kings go and hide in, in a cave but they're found and Joshua says don't worry with them right now just wall up the cave with a bunch of big rocks and then go and pursue your enemies as, as far as you can and then they come back to the cave they open the cave up and he brings the kings out he slays the kings he puts them on trees you, you should you heard that before, right? He hangs them again on a tree, takes them down, puts them back in the cave after they've hung on the tree for the day, and walls the cave up with rocks. And God has delivered Israel from the five kings that had come against them. Now, Gibeon had been one of these, these great cities they were deceptive, right, when they came up to Israel. They, they were deceptive in, what, in, in how they, what they said and in, in their clothing and what they, what they showed Israel as signs. They were deceptive. Israel also did not seek the Lord, although they were t- technically following what the Lord had said in Deuteronomy, but they didn't seek him to find out what was going on there. But this is not actually the end of Gibeon. I want to show you a little bit more where, what, where Gibeon, um, uh, what happened to Gibeon later in, in the uh, history of Israel. Gibeon actually, um, they, they became servants, like it said, but you know, one of David's mighty men was a Gibeonite. One of, one of the 30, one of his 30 mighty men. One of his closest companions was a Gibeonite. If you um, recall that when Saul was king, um, and it, it, this is not recorded in, in Scripture, that the results are, but Saul evidently had gone and, and wanted to kill a bunch of the people of Gibeon. Or actually, he did kill a bunch of them. And when David became king, a famine came on in Israel. 
And they sought God and said, why is this famine happening? And God said, because Saul broke the covenant that Israel had made with Gibeon. Generations before, that covenant was still in effect. And it caused a famine to come on Israel. So, so David went to Gibeon and said, what do you need from us so that this famine will be broken? And, and they said, I want you to give us some of Saul's um, kids, his kinsmen, some of his descendants, and then they, they killed Saul's descendants, and then the famine was list, lifted from, from Israel. Gibeon ended up being where the tent of meeting, you know the, the tent that, that Moses put up? And, and had Moses created the tent, had the tent created in the wilderness? That tent ended up being set up at Gibeon. Everybody remembers Solomon, right? David's son. Solomon, uh, you know, remember he has the, the dream, the vision, and God comes to Solomon and says, Hey, Solomon, um, what, what do you want? Do you, uh, and Solomon says, instead of asking for, the, um, for wealth or the head of his enemies or, or whatever, he said, Give me wisdom. And this was right after Solomon had, had sacrificed um, all of these uh, sacrifices to God. That happened where? Gibeon. God comes to Solomon and says, I'm going to give you this wisdom. And remember the great verse that, that we all like to quote, especially here. You know, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, shown to Solomon at Gibeon. There were still Gibeon, Gibeonites around um, in, in Jeremiah. And then what you see is after Israel, uh, after um, Judah is, goes to Babylon and comes back, right? You have Nehemiah who's building the wall. There were Gibeonites that had gone into exile and come back with Israel to, to rebuild Jerusalem. So this is a long-lasting long-standing uh, relationship that this town, Gibeon, had with the nation of Israel. So how is it that these two wrongs, Gibeon's deception, right? Israel not listening to the Lord, or not seeking the Lord, turn into something so right that God used it for generation after generation after generation. Here's what I believe it is. See, Gibeon was a, a town, I referred to it just slightly earlier, it was, it was a town, once again, on a high hill. It was one of the larger towns they say it was one of like the royal cities. This was, this was one of the most fortified, greatest towns in the area. This was a, a, a if you will, a, a king among the, a, a prince among the cities of the land. And they end up saying, we will be your servants. What they did is they humbled themselves their life 
life to them was more important than their status. Life to them was more important than being the queen of the cities. They, they wanted to live, so they, say, they said, we will be your servants, we'll be your slaves if you'll just let us live. Whatever you want to do with us, that's fine. We will be your servants, we'll be your slaves. Just let us live. We recognize that your God is the God. We recognize that he is over everything. We recognize that he has won all these battles. Just let us live and we'll be your slaves. They humbled themselves. What's amazing to me is the... It cost them a lot, what they did. It cost them their status. It cost them their, their um, not only their status as, their, as, the, as the town, but they became slaves in order to live. Instead of living like kings, they lived like slaves. I think about where the church is in the United States. And so much, not just the United States, a lot of the world right now. And I think about what it costs us to become Christians. For so much of the world, it doesn't cost much. There are places in the world it does cost we um we have a friend that I'm I'm hoping that you'll you'll be able to meet someday uh, from from Mali West Africa I've mentioned him before um, but uh, he is the first convert of his tribe and when he became a Christian his dad hired a policeman to go and kill him it cost him to become a Christian. Other places in the world, and, and I, I went to um, I went to seminary with um, some Chinese pastors, and uh, one of them had actually been thrown in the in jail for his faith. He didn't have to stay there for a long time, but he did. He was teaching uh, in a Bible school that they had in China, and he was arrested and thrown in jail um, for a number of months because of his faith. It cost him to be a Christian. There's, a, there's many countries that to say yes to the gospel is to forfeit something in your life. Here in the United States, we've got it very, very easy. When you say, you know, what, what does it cost to be a Christian? Well, two hours on Sunday, maybe an hour or an hour and a half during the week. If you're really radical, maybe you know, 20, 30 minutes of Bible study and prayer a day. What does it cost? Very honestly, when you look at the church in the United States and many other countries, it's not just us, it doesn't cost much at all. 
And what Jesus has asked of us is to become his servant. It's really very, very similar to uh, what the Gibeonites did. They had everything. And yet they said, we'll be your slaves. And if you look through Paul's letters, what will he say? Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Paul, that bondservant is, is, is a euphemism. You know what a euphemism is? A euphemism is a word that we use that, that sounds a whole lot better than what it is. Right? Like, you, you use a, a, a euphemism to go, I'm going to go to the powder room. Right? Not me, you ladies. <laughs> right? Because you know what to say, yes, I'm going to the restroom right now. Hello? You use a euphemism. He's a, I'm a bond servant of Jesus. No, what, what is that? I am a slave to Christ. Jesus asked his disciples, I want you to give up everything and follow me. I want you to give up your status. Matthew's sitting there ta- you know, collecting taxes. Follow me. He probably had a pretty good business. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Jesus comes in. And Zacchaeus says, look, if I've wronged anybody, I'm going to pay him back double. I'm not going to collect anything more than what I'm owed. I'm, I'm, going, I'm giving up a lot, and I'm going to follow you. Ultimately, we know that the disciples, they followed him, and all but John suffered a martyr's death. They were, they were stoned. Paul was stoned, and, and God raised him back up. They were stoned. Peter was crucified upside down. They, they had their heads chopped off. These, these guys, they were, they were boiled in oil. They, uh, our, our, our fathers in the faith became the first Roman candles where they were lit on fire at, in parties that, that Nero held. It cost something for them to say yes to Jesus. What's it cost us? What are you willing to give? Have you all heard of the Moravians? There's a story about the Moravians um, that... I've heard various accounts, so I'm not going to declare that this is absolutely true because it may actually be more folklore than, than truth. Um, the Moravians are definitely a, a true group. They were back in the, the 18th century, the 1700s. And uh, Count Zinzendorf, um, evidently, he had this group living on his land, and uh, he kind of acted as their, um, their benefactor and one day they, they had been praying. He had prayed and said, okay, Lord, how can I do this? How can I help these people? And they were Christians. And in the serving of the Lord's table, one day the Lord fell. The Holy Spirit just fell on these people. 
and it sparked a revival. It sparked a, a continuous prayer meeting. They had continual prayer for over a hundred years. Over a hundred years documented that the prayer meeting did not stop for over a hundred years. These people were very, very missions oriented. They went all over the place. Um, for every uh, one, for, um, at least one out of every sixty people in the Moravians became a missionary. It lasted for you know generations. One of the stories is that a, a um, uh, in the uh, British West Indies, St. Thomas, St. Croix, they were islands of, of they were slave islands. And this is what I'm not sure. I've heard various accounts on. But they were, they were slave islands. And in order to um, really be there and to reach the slaves, you, know, you, had to be a, you had to be a slave to be there. And so a couple of the Moravian men said, whatever it takes. If it takes becoming a slave to reach the slaves, I'll become a slave. Whether or not they just said that, but some stories say that they sold themselves into slavery and became a slave so that they could minister to the slaves on those islands. If we want to have the multi-generational blessing like the Gibeonites had, where God visited them. God protected them. God made sure his covenant was upheld. God uh, put his tent, his presence right there where they were. God made sure that, his, that these people of, of Gibeon had places of, of, of status in Israel. They humbled themselves and then let God exalt them. And what we need to do as Christians is we need to take that same humility. And what I'm saying is I'm not saying humility is we need to to beat ourselves up. We need to um, make ourselves lower than what we are. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is we come to the Lord Jesus and you say, Lord, whatever it is you have for me, I don't care what it costs me. Here I am, send me. It may cost me my family. It may cost me my job. It may cost me my lifestyle. It may cost me my house. It may cost me, it may cost me my very life. But here I am. Send me. I may go bankrupt for you, but here I am. I may lose everything, but here I am. They may spit at me, they may stone me, they may hate me, they may kill me, but here I am, ready to do your will. And I'm asking if we have that heart. Because it's, first of all, something that happens in your heart then it can lead to action. Do we have the heart to humble ourselves 
to say whatever it takes, Lord. And then let God himself do the blessing and the exalting and the making sure that we continue on and with the covenant that he has given to us. Let's humble ourselves and let God exalt us. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, Lord, for each of us, myself included, Lord, none of us can stand before you and say that we are 100% sold out. We all have areas in our life that we've not opened up to you. Lord, forgive us. Lord, I pray pray for each person here. Lord, that you would show us how we can follow you, serve you, give up to you more. Joe, would you mind just playing that last song just quietly for me? Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. You're my one defense, my righteousness. Lord, I ask that you would deal with each person here. Lord, let us humble ourselves before you. Lord, I I can only speak for me. I say, Lord, I give it all up for you. Whatever it is, wherever you wherever you send me, where whatever I whatever I need to leave behind, oh Lord, just say the word. And then I ask for your help because I know it'll be hard. As we sing that song once more, um, 
I just want to give everybody a few minutes to ask the Lord the hard questions. This is what I want you to ask him and let him speak to your heart. Is there anything in me that I need to give up? Is there anything that I'm putting before Jesus? There may be some people that need to do that for the very first time to say, look, I, you know what, I've never, ever said I'm going to follow Jesus with everything in me. And I'd, I'd encourage you to do that today. It's a choice. You've just... If you want somebody to pray with you about that, you know, if you're at home, um, you know, give me a buzz. If you're here, don't leave today without making sure that's done. For those of you who have, examine your life and see if there's anything that you wouldn't leave behind. If Jesus said to go. Let's make sure he has first place in everything. I'm just going to give you a few minutes to let the Lord speak to you.